1: Bella Burgermeister is a 14-year-old author, environmental presenter and climate activist from Bunbury, Western Australia. She is one of eight young plaintiffs from around Australia joining a class action against the Federal Minister for the Environment, uh, calling on an injunction against the passage of the proposed extension to the Vickery coal mine. It is a great honour to have her join us on Environmental as Anything today. Bella Bergermeister, thank you for joining Environmental Is Anything today?
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sean.
1: No, you are most welcome. Uh, Bella, you are involved in what may very well be a groundbreaking uh, legal case. Can you tell us what that's all about?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the case that I'm involved in um, is around trying to prevent the Federal Environment Minister from providing the final approval for the Vickery Extension Project. Um, which is happening in uh, New South Wales. So the project will produce about 168 million tonnes of coal over the next 25 years, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of coal, yeah. um, and, and that's going to create a huge amount of carbon emissions, um, which is fueling our clim- a climate crisis right now.
1: Absolutely. So, so why are you taking part in this case then? What's, what's the, what do you hope to achieve with it?
2: Uh, well, I joined this case because I know that climate change is heating up our planet and it's such a huge problem right now. And coal is the single most biggest culprit. Um, and, and our government is still approving these mines, even though they know it's the direct cause for the rising temperatures. Uh, so I joined this case because not only is this a good way to spread the word around what's happening, but it's, um, if we win this case, it's a good way of using it again and again so that it might happened that we could use this over and over again to prevent new coal mines from being approved all over australia and all over the world
1: yes right that's uh, quite significant so how how is that um going to happen what's what's the legal argument that's being put there
2: um so uh what we're trying to say is that the federal environment minister has a duty to protect the australian children and young people like me um from the effects of climate change because we as young people are more vulnerable to the climate effects um Because we have no political power, so we can't vote and we can't run for elections. So we have to rely on these adults to take care of us and the world that we'll be left with. Um, So we're arguing that the environment minister has a duty of care for us. um, And that is why she should not approve this mine or this uh, extension project, because it will directly threaten our futures because it adds to the climate crisis that's happening right now.
1: Absolutely. It's not just you. You're with a group of other uh, young Australians uh, from around the country. Can you tell me more about uh, the group who are who are taking out this uh, this case? Yeah. So there are eight
2: of us eight young people all together and we're all of us are from school strike for climate so we're all very passionate about um, climate change anyway and we all try to do our best for this we're all from different parts of australia as well which is exciting so we know that we have every aspect covered and that because we know that this mine isn't just going to affect the people in new south wales it's going to affect the people all around australia and all across the world
1: the recent Greenpeace uh, Lethal Power, How Burning Coal is Killing People in Australia report talks about how coal-burning power stations cause 850 cases of low birth weight and uh, burning coal is responsible for around 800 premature deaths each year in this country and how the effects of those coal mines are are, are not located uh, with the actual uh, coal burning power stations but that they are spread a- across an enormous and extraordinarily surprising area. So, so this is obviously an issue which uh, affects all Australians, but it also affects young people more so. How does that? How's the logic go, go in that argument?
2: Well, it, it'll affect young people not only right now with our mental health and things like that, but it'll also affect us in the future because we're going to be the ones left with this huge climate crisis that's happening right now. Um, As, you know, we have sea levels rising, um, extreme weather events happening, huge bushfires, you know, our ecosystems are disappearing and eventually, you know, we're going to have food and water shortages which are going to lead to huge conflicts all around the world.
1: Yes. So, you know, the fact that you are younger than than the rest of us um, means that you've got longer to look forward to these tragic events.
2: Yeah, and not only that, but we also think about these things all the time. You know, there's studies around saying that young people have such anxiety around these things because we are such a connected generation that, you know, all the news, we see news all the time through all our different media streams and things like that. So it's always on our minds
1: we tell young people that they uh, they should be thinking about and acting for their future we when when we want them to do uh, unpleasant and difficult things like study and uh, that sort of stuff but uh, it seems that uh, that's not really followed through when uh, when young people start thinking about their future in a big picture way it seems to you you get a lot of flack from some people yeah i
2: we definitely do i think some people think that sometimes it's better for us to just stay at school and do that but we know that it's such an important issue right now. Um, and if we don't start acting right now, there's, we, we're not going to be able to change what's happening. So we know that, you know, studying is important, but our futures are way more important. And it's not going to be just our futures. It's going to be our grandkids or our great-grandkids' futures <laughs> that are going to be affected as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Bella, um, you've said that this is uh, a, a possibly going to be a precedent for Australia and even for the globe. Um, I know that there are a couple of other cases which have been uh, similarly run, that there's uh, uh, Mark McVeigh uh, in, uh, in Brisbane and uh, there was uh, another uh, case in Victoria from Cata uh, uh, O'Donnell uh, from the 23-year-old Melbourne law student now these are of a different type aren't they
2: yeah they're um they are a little bit different some of them are, they're all around climate change in some way but just in different as- aspects of it really
1: yes mm. and they're talking about the financial impacts that they're specifically going to be affected by in those cases aren't they
2: yeah, yeah, they're talking about uh, different aspects of the financial way that climate change will affect us um, and people under eighteen for years to come.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, um, and the so this is going to be a, a bit of a drawn out process. Do you know how long you expect it to go for? When, when do you s- expect to see a result or for this?
2: Um, uh, we're not really sure how long this case is going to take, um, but we are we are definitely ready for to fight for this case because it's such an important issue um, and it'll bring about so much change, and that's what we're really hoping for. So,
1: well, that's you know very exciting that you're in for the long haul. Uh, you know, I've I've been uh, uh, fighting on uh, climate change since 1989 myself, so it's a great relief to see uh, the younger generation taking up the uh, the cudgels and 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 moving forward in such a dramatic way to to a resolution here. Thank you. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's very exciting, um, and it's not only us that can bring about this change. Uh, we are. It's people all around the world, People, young people can join this case um, because it won't just affect Australians it's going to affect everyone around the world um, if this mine is put in. So anybody can join this case if they're under 18.
1: So how do they do that? How would people uh, join the case?
2: Um, so you can go to the Equity Generation Lawyers website um, and join the case from there. So register on there. Um, and then David and them will take you through the process, and it's really great. There's such a great support network around, um, and I would highly suggest that young people get on board because this is such a serious issue.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, obviously there is strength in numbers. Uh, we, We are strong together. And uh, and there's great. I mean, I, I'm finding great hope in uh, in the enormous number of otherwise of previously recalcitrant elements in our society. The Business Council of Australia, the National Farmers Federation, all of which, are, and, and and a long list uh, of uh, unexpected allies that uh, are saying that we have to get to the Paris Agreement uh, uh, targets. So uh, you're not alone, and uh, yeah. you you're you're playing an important part. So, uh, thanks for all that good work, and thanks for standing up. Will you uh, keep us informed about the progress as you go along?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, we are hoping to keep as we're hoping to get so many people um, informed around this case so that we can spread the word as much as possible. Um, so you know you'll definitely be hearing from us again.
1: Great. Good on you, Bella.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Sean.
1: That was young author bella bergermeister author of uh, bella's challenge a kid's take on the 17 un global goals for sustainable development speaking on her role as a co-plaintiff in the class action being taken against the federal government to prevent further damage to young australians from fossil fuel development <laughs> Don't give up the fight. That was uh, Get Up, Stand Up from Bob Marley and the Whalers. That was a request by Bella Bergermeister, who uh, was uh, a co-plaintiff in the uh, climate duty of care case uh, the, that is being taken out against the uh, Federal Environment Minister, uh, Susan Lay, uh, demanding that uh, she follow her duty of care and uh, stop approving new coal mines, in particular the Vickery coal mine extension. Right now, uh, we have to speak to us from our local school strikers from Climate, uh, Holly Richards. Holly has been uh, one of the leaders of the local movement, certainly is uh, a representative uh, member of our uh, our local high school community. And uh, she's joining us to talk about what's happening here locally. Hey, Holly, can you hear me? Hello. Yes, I
3: can. Hello, everyone.
1: Thank you so much for joining Environmental as Anything today.
3: Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, look, Holly. Uh, you heard um, uh, the the Bella uh, over the um, over the radio. I understand. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Did you? Um, uh, is there any local interest? Do you think in uh, in the case that she's involved in?
3: Uh, yes, certainly. Um, I think here, regional people. We don't really think that we can. Well, no, we do certainly think, but it's very different from being in the centre of all of the legal action and everything like that. So I think having an open. Case for all of Australia and all of the children to, for all of us to join into is really powerful.
1: Mm.
3: And I think there'll be a lot of interest around here.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's uh, Bella is certainly very keen to get the word out and and get more uh, uh, interested people to to join themselves to that case where they can. So uh, of course locally, you're already planning actions here. You've got a big uh, build for build our future uh, action plan for the September the twenty fifth.
3: Yeah, fund our future, not gas.
1: Yeah, that's right, fund our future, not gas. What a simple and clear message, uh, which is being uh, backed by a surprising number of uh, powerful entities around the world. So uh, where uh, and when are we uh, are going to be doing uh, this uh, This great uh, event?
3: Um, on September 25th, which is uh, Friday in two weeks, um, there'll be an event run by School of Climate at Sphinx Park in Lisbon, which is right next to the transit centre. It's where the Black Lives Matter protest was. Yep. And, yeah, it's going to be from 11 to maybe around 2. Right. Yeah, it's very exciting.
1: That's great. And, um, again, a Friday afternoon. We've been doing the Friday uh, Fridays for Future, haven't we? It's, uh, uh, but so what will you be doing in, in Sphinx Park on the 25th?
3: Uh, we're going to have a protest strike action, so we're going to be calling all students and everyone who wants to join in to come to us from school and work and wherever. and we're going to have a few key speakers from places like Lock the Gate, maybe Never, maybe even the Greens, and we're going to do a big, long march even, maybe, oh, yeah. it's still very much in the works right now, but... We have a lot of exciting stuff planned.
1: Right, so there's going to be room for spontaneity and uh, and and some some perhaps some surprises. Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, well, you know, why is it? I mean, there may be some people out there who still don't really understand. Can you explain to them why uh, uh, the school strikes and and why? What do you want to achieve out of this?
3: Um, we want to achieve legal, well, this action in our community and in the government against the COVID-19 recovery plan, which is all into unrenewable forces like coal and gas, and we want to protect our futures and the natural environment, because if we don't, then what will happen? You know, it's, just, it's terrifying to even think of a world where you don't have the environment and nature around us, so we have to
1: fight for it. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we have, obviously, you know, local representatives. Uh, Are they not uh, doing their jobs? Uh, Aren't you feeling represented by uh, our uh, our local uh, parliamentarians?
3: Uh, Kevin Hogan. No, we are not. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he isn't really too keen on many environmental issues. He's voted very strongly against the carbon price, uh, a fast transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy, um increasing investment in renewable energy and also he's just not he doesn't really see the importance of the environment mm. if I can say that. Mm. I met with him actually um, in person early in the year and it's just really not a priority for him. and I think we as a community full of farmers and full of people who are so concerned and who live in bush and beautiful places like this who really want to protect places like this. Mm. I don't think that he's the right MP for us.
1: No. Well, you met with him. So, what was that? Like, you know, and you and you formed the impression that he was. It was not a priority. What What was it that he said or did during your meeting that uh, that gave you that impression?
3: Um, our meeting was just before the COVID shutdown. It was. Um, we were talking. Me and someone from uh, Knitting Nanners. Uh huh. Came in and talked to him, and we showed him this big slideshow and everything about how good renewable forces are, renewable resources are, mm-hmm. and how we wish that he would take more action for them instead of against them and stand against his party because he's like right hand man to ScoMo. Yeah, right. Which, whoa, did not even know that from before that. So, yeah, and he he just didn't really seem even amused by it. Honestly, he just. Did not care at all, and it was heartbreaking to see that. But yeah, he, he humoured us. Oh yeah. But you know that when you talk to someone like that and they just don't care for it, it's just heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, right. They can make. They. they I mean, like he could have made some firm commitments uh, on that occasion, couldn't he? He could have given you some. Yeah, he
3: uh, certainly could have.
1: Yeah. Well, what kind of commitments were you looking for? Do you think?
3: Um. We wanted more protection and more um, First Nation and Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander representation in our community and in the way that we handle environmental issues. Yep. We wanted uh, more. Oh my God, bushfires! We certainly wanted him to put more money into um, looking after the the God nat- National Forest. Yep. The term for it, National Park, sorry. That's right. Yeah, um, more ranges there, more fire ranges there, especially as well, because like all the horrifying things that happen in nightcap bush, same forest. And yeah, that was our main focus to get more protection for the forest.
1: And he couldn't even undertake to, to do that. You certainly didn't. Oh my goodness, that's uh, very disappointing. I mean, there you yeah. were, uh, an intergenerational representative. Uh, you know, you, you, you coming from the youth and uh, the knitting nanas, of course, bringing in the uh, our, our seniors, uh, our elders, and and yet uh, still not getting the respect you probably deserve from him. Yeah, that's shameful. Anyway, look, we need uh, action in some form or other, and you're obviously ready to take it. Um, what? Uh, uh, do you think what can people do to get involved? How can people actually uh, get in touch with this uh, and and become part of it?
3: Um, well for one you could come to our strike in Friday in two weeks time. I mm-hmm. uh, just talk to me I'll be wearing a little badge or any of the other people there we will be noticeably there. So you can talk to us or you can get in contact with us on Lismos after climate on Facebook or. SSCP Lizmore on Instagram or email, even, which you can find on both. Yep. And yeah, just get involved. We're always up for, like, a, if you want to help organize or just a quick chat about what we're doing, just really, just, yeah.
1: Well, we have put up a link to the uh, Lismore September 25th action hashtag fund our future, not gas, exclamation point. Uh, We have put uh, up a a link to that on the uh, uh, Environmental As Anything Facebook page. So if people are looking for it, uh, they can certainly find it through our Facebook page or through the uh, Lismore School Strike for Climate Facebook page. So that should be easy enough to do Uh, and people, you know, students out there, how how many, how many of it, like, so it must have been difficult over the last few months. We haven't mentioned COVID, but you've been uh, continuing with your efforts in spite of the uh, global pandemic. How has that uh, been going for you?
3: Um, I think we did okay because all of our actions before then had been in real life, you know, with big crowds, which obviously we couldn't do during COVID. Um, we did an online event mm-hmm. with like an open Zoom and everything, and I think we got a turnout of maybe 50 people, which was amazing for us. Yeah, that's fabulous. <laughs> like on, an online event with barely any like advertising or anything like that. It was, whoa. Yeah. yeah and from there, we've been, and we've been uploading like a lot of resources on our sites, and we've been doing our best, but it's been very hard.
1: Yeah, Right. <laughs> Okay so well how would we how would people get involved in those are you continuing with the online events now is that uh, going to be um, supplementing the, the offline the, the, the in in person events
3: I don't think so maybe on a well definitely on a national level but not here
1: ah, Okay all right well, good on you for keeping the efforts up and keeping the energy going, and uh, and focusing attention on this important issue for uh, for us all here in the local area and and, and the Northern Rivers. Uh, it's so important to know that we've got uh, our uh, our next generation, our younger generation, uh, are picking up the reins and, uh, and 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 giving us some leadership on this. Thank you. Thank
3: you.
1: <laughs> no worries, yeah, we're Holly. Doing Look, our
3: best, and then when we end into parliament, you'll know. <laughs>
1: Well, that's great. We're looking for. I'm personally looking forward to seeing you in Parliament. That would be a, a fantastic outcome. All right, Holly. I probably should get on, uh, but uh, thank you so much for all your time today. And uh, maybe uh, if there are further, uh, you know, updates that you can give us, we might uh, hear from you next week.
3: Uh, yeah, sure. That, it'll be my pleasure. All
1: right. Good on you, Holly. Take care.
3: You too.
1: Have a great day. Yeah, bye. bye.
3: Thank you.
1: That was Holly Richards, uh, representative of the Lismore School Strike for Climate, uh, talking up the uh, the September 25th, build our future, uh, you know, fund our future, not gas is the hashtag. And so that'll be in Spinks Park uh, on the September 25th. You can find the details uh, linked through the Environmental As Anything uh, Facebook page. And we should move on to uh, some announcements and some more music. And then we'll get back to Michael Mazengarb, who is from Renew Economy, talking to us about our transition to renewable prosperity. Uh, He's uh, a a prolific and insightful writer on the topic, and uh, I spoke to him just yesterday. River FM.
2: Welcome to Celebrating Earth and Art. We hope to inspire joy and celebration of the natural world, share the beauty and wonders of the Earth, and all who depend on her, largest animals, tiniest insects, and exquisite habitats. We'll introduce you to our special guests who share their love and their concerns for our magnificent home, Planet Earth. Join us every Tuesday from 10am till noon.
0: River FM welcomes your feedback. River FM is your local community radio service. We value the opportunity to improve our service. If you have any feedback, comments, suggestions or criticism, we would love to hear from you. We do request you include your name and contact information. River FM is unable to accept anonymous feedback. Simply email feedback at 2ncr.org.au. That's feedback at 2ncr.org.au. Thank you and stay tuned to your local community radio station, River FM 92.9. You have the right to take life away
4: This is Tex Perkins on River FM 92.9.
1: Next on Environmental Is Anything, we're very pleased to welcome back to the show a regular contributor, Michael Mazengar. Michael is a journalist with Renew Economy and uh, has been working in the renewable energy sector for more than a decade. It is always a pleasure and a privilege to have access to Michael's considerable insights into the renewable energy transition. Michael, thank you very much for joining Environmental as Anything today. That's all right. Thanks for having me on. No, we really appreciate your time. Uh, you are consistently on the money with the uh, Renew Economy uh, uh, website and the work that you're doing there. So I was going to. I'm always glad to get your input in the show.
4: No, thanks. Thanks.
1: So, um, we've got a bunch of stories here, and I'm going to start from the most recent. Today, you've uh, got New Zealand Labor pledges 100% renewables by 2030 National Hydrogen Refuelling Network. What is Mm. going on across the
4: ditch? Yeah, so I guess New Zealand is about to head into a a national election um, about a a month away. Um, So, we've got the, the parties over there making their election pitches to voters. Uh, we've got the Jacinda Ardern-led um, New Zealand Labor Party coming out saying that they will bring forward their target um, of reaching 100% renewable electricity uh, to 2030, uh, which is bringing that target forward by five years. Um, wow. So I think they can they can make that switch um, faster than they originally thought, um, and that'll include uh, investments in new... Um, new projects, a new pumped hydro um, storage facility um, and, um, uh, yeah, a rollout of a a national network of um, hydrogen refuelling stations. So um, they're really sort of leaning into that um, decarbonisation of both their electricity system but also their um, transport and industrial sectors.
1: That is fantastic. Uh, New Zealand uh, leading the charge again, leaving Australia in its dust.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a bit of a, a bit of a contrast um, when you compare what's going on in New Zealand at the moment to uh, to what's going on here. You know, they've got a, a national government that's really really leaning into the the, the transition to, to clean energy um, and really embracing that. Um, you know, the, these these commitments follow um, what the the Ardern government has already done in terms of legislating a. Um, uh, their zero carbon bill and a commitment to to phasing out their um, uh, coal use throughout most of their economy. So yeah, it's good stuff from New yeah, Zealand.
1: Great stuff. Um, well, we've got here across uh, on our side of the ditch. We've got uh, some other good news. We had uh, Morrison willingly turning a blind eye to clean energy. Labor says so. Uh, looks like uh, uh, the uh, the federal opposition is uh, is is actually uh, getting getting on to them about this.
4: Yeah, this is really interesting. So this was um, earlier this week. Um, we had both Labor leader Anthony Albanese and their climate and energy spokesperson Mark Butler at, at two different events, um, basically saying that um, you know the Morrison government is overlooking the really good um, economic uh, economy boosting investments that could be made in, in clean energy projects, um, including in regional areas. Um, that you know, if the government was looking for ways to to really uh, stimulate and kickstart the Australian economy that investments in um, building new large-scale renewable energy projects through to supporting the rollout of, of rooftop solar and, and energy efficiency measures are, re- are actually a really good way of, of creating jobs and, and, and stimulating the economy um, but instead we've got a Morrison government who is looking at the gas industry and, and seems just to sort of pick being, you know, pushing into um, what they Consider a, a gas-led recovery, yep. um, despite you know all the evidence suggesting that you know gas is 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 not going to be the job maker or or going to help. Reduce um, energy prices in the way that they they seem to suggest it will.
1: Yeah, no, there's a, a major uh, like a how many factors of, of difference are there? There's like there's so, so many. Uh, there's like seven times as many jobs or something in renewables as in as in the gas industry. Is that is that right?
4: Yeah, it's pretty pretty huge. So there's some you know things like you know rooftop solar um, and energy efficiency measures. You know they're they're actually really good um, job creating industries because you get people out. Um, you know, putting solar panels on roofs or, you know, installing energy-efficient appliances. Um, whereas when you've got a big gas project, you sort of you get a lot of activity when, it's, when a gas project is constructed. Um, but once it's completed, mm. you know, the, the jobs virtually sort of disappear and you sort of have a handful of jobs who are, continue on operating the thing. Um, and so the actual log, long-term job prospects are pretty small. Um and you know all you're doing is is continuing to to grow a, a sector that's contributing to greenhouse gas emissions and not delivering particularly cheap energy for Australian consumers.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, it, 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 the impression that I'm getting, and I, I'm just you know, going to confirm that with you, is it looks like uh, the ALP are firmly committed to that uh, renewable prosperity for the for the recovery. Is that is that what their uh, you know their, their genuine commitment is? You reckon?
4: I, I think so. I, th- I think they they learned a bit of a lesson during the last federal election in that they really need when they, when they're talking about renewables and, and climate action that they really need to talk about jobs. As well, mm. um, and I think, I think they didn't quite get that cut through at that last federal election, and and you know, the coalition ran a bit of a fear campaign around, you know, if they stop coal projects, that it's going to cost jobs, um, and, and I think Labor sort of realised that actually we can talk about renewable energy and we can talk about reducing emissions while also talking about creating jobs for people, mm. including in jobs in. In blue-collar sectors and and in and regional communities, mm. um, so I think we're starting to see labour kind of embrace that, and they go, "Look, we can have both. You know, we can have more jobs, and we can have investment in renewables. Those things go hand in hand. They're not. It's not an either or."
1: No, no, that's right. It's a. Uh, it's great to see. There's such a widespread uh, embracing of that. Uh, you know, the the uh, what's it the uh, the roundtable recently, the roundtable report. Um, where they, you know, so so many major players in Australia are actually mm. coming to, to to that exact position, aren't they? It's just like the bi- the big economic players in Australia are all getting behind it.
4: Yeah, so that's that's the you know the Australian Climate Roundtable, which you know the membership of that includes um, the Business Council of Australia and the Australian Industry Group um, and a number of uh, investor groups, business groups. You know, that's you know they're. they're organizations that we've normally seen as being quite antagonistic to strong action on climate change, mm. and they're actually really coming around to it and saying, you know, we're probably going to have to do something about climate change, and if we do it the right way, um, it, it can actually be really quite good for our economy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, and meanwhile, you, another story that you've, you've written uh, just back in the 8th, a few days ago, a federal government energy roadmap based on guesswork and thought bubbles.
4: Yeah, this is a this is a really inter- interesting uh, story. So, um, there's been a bit of work. You know, the government came out with this technology investment roadmap where they they say they went and did a big survey of all these different energy technologies about you know what what can we invest in to reduce emissions and and you know how much you know does these technologies cost in terms of producing energy and you know the government is sort of latching onto this saying you know we can invest in gas and we can invest in carbon capture and storage and th- those things are going to be necessary. Um, and, you know, they produced a whole bunch of charts and a whole bunch of data in this report. And um, the Australia Institute sort of went digging and, and sort of put in this freedom of information request saying, you know, where did you get all this data that, you know, somehow shows that, you know, using gas as a backup to renewables is going to reduce, you know, can, can achieve the same amount of emissions reductions as, as backing up renewables with battery storage or pumped hydro. And, which, which
1: is patently absurd on the face yeah, of
4: it. It's just, it's just, you know, on the surface it just doesn't quite make sense. And so they went, sort of asked the, the Department of Industry, where did you get these numbers from? And they came back in their response and sort of said, oh, yeah, you know, basically, basically this is just, um, you know, departmental um, estimates. And so they, you know, <laughs> in, in a way that, you know, using bureaucratic language, they basically just said, but we we came up with the numbers ourselves, um, and we you know, haven't haven't really got uh, an independent source for them, um, which is you know quite an interesting um, admission yeah. to make. Um, and when we followed up, you know, they, the Australian Institute let us know about the response that they got, and we sort of published it. And, and clearly, the government is not you know we, we've the response we got from them was like, oh no, that's not that's not what we meant. We've you know, we've gone out and consulted with all these experts and. That's what we've got the data from, so they're really trying to, like, you know, walk back the admission that they made. But I think it's it's kind of clear, that
1: Gats out of the bag.
4: Yeah, that's right, yeah.
1: Well, so I've I've been calling uh, Angus Taylor the uh, Minister for Shameful Admissions for a long time. I think I'll have to change (laughs) that to the Minister for Embarrassing Admissions.
4: Yeah, well, he's... he's... Poor old Angus, I mean... I would say poor old Angus Taylor but really he's, he's put his foot in it quite a few times he's got quite a track record at the moment so
1: well he's got two feet what else are you going to do with yeah.
4: it
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's enough mockery for a moment um, Taylor to force energy uh, to Taylor to force clean energy funds to back gas and carbon mm. capture that's a sort of a related story isn't it
4: yeah so this you know they Angus Taylor and the sort of federal government has got these sort of push that they want to do you know they've got this roadmap that they're saying you know says that they should be able to invest in in gas and carbon capture and storage projects and and so they've turned to um the renewable energy agency and the clean energy finance corporation which are two you know government bodies that were formed under the gillard government um and have, a, have been allocated a whole bunch of funding to really support clean energy projects mm. and they've both of those agencies have done a very good job Mm. at doing that. Mm. But the Morrison government has gone, look, what we want to do is use some of that money and and direct that and and put that into uh, gas and and carbon capture projects. And so they're um, producing a whole bunch of legislative amendments to try and compel those agencies to sort of funnel that money into those projects. Um, uh, and, And Taylor's, so Taylor's introduced a whole bunch of legislative amendments into the Parliament, um, which we'll see debated over the next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like, you know, Labor and the Greens have already come out and said that they're going to oppose the amendments and that those okay. those agencies should should re- maintain their status as being dedicated for, for renewable energy projects. Um, but, you know, we'll see, see what happens. Um, yeah. Parliament's hard to predict at times and, mm-hmm. and there'll be some some negotiations going on behind the scenes, I imagine.
1: Certainly counterintuitive for the Clean Energy Finance Corporation and the Renewable Energy Agency to be forced into the the dirty and non-renewable energy sectors.
4: Yeah, and and part of that is, you know, part of these legislative amendments are are an attempt to really redefine what...
1: Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental As Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want.
0: For the future, we're hand in hand.